Let's do it. So how does it go? I like it like that. Mm -mm -mm -mm. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. You want me to start a quote? So I'm, I got yeah. a quote for you. Today is going to be the sun out. So you can choose to be at home and have a gloomy day or have a sunny day. Either way, it's a great day to be alive because not everybody gets to be alive. So I'm glad to be alive. And I hope you're glad to be alive. How about that? Hello, everyone. It's Steven here, and I'm here with... Hi, Cass. Hey, I'm back. And you want to say this together, Steven? We are the... The Sickle Cell Podcast. Good job. Teamwork. It's a dream work. You did a good job. I'm proud of you for the first time. Yeah. All right, guys. I just want to give you guys a huge shout out, and thank you all so much for listening to our first episode. We've gotten a lot of great feedback, and I can't tell you guys um, how grateful I am and thankful um, for you guys listening to that episode. For those of you who haven't listened yet, I tell you what, you're missing out. Go check that episode out. out. Exactly. Um, I want to say thank you again for listening. And today, we're even going to get you more. Yeah. And I think you all will appreciate it. Steven has retired the word excited. So he is not using the word excited for this episode because he overused it the last episode. Well, the word is not retired just for this episode. So for this episode, I'm going to use my favorite second word. I am thrilled to be here today, thrilled. guys. Thrilled, so. okay. Thrilled is the word. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I just want to thank you guys so much for the feedback, for the love, the support in the first episode. We're hoping you like this episode just as much. And I have special news. We are now on Spotify. Yay. Spotify. So. All my Android family. Yeah. We got your back. Okay, so so Steven doesn't have an Android, so I don't know why he's I, why are saying you just gonna keep telling Android me family. All the time? <laughs> he owns an iPhone, so I, I'm but not sure where that I excitement have a special comes love. from. I have a special love for Android because I'm not a huge Apple fan. Yet he uses an iPad and an iPhone. Because um, I don't really have a choice. So. <laughs> Anyways, enough of the pettiness, Steven. Gosh, what's new in the world of sickle cell? There is a lot of exciting news in Sickle Cell. Uh, I can go on and go on and go on. But the one I want to spend the time to talk about today mm -hmm. is all about World Sickle Cell Day. I just want to give a huge shout out to everyone who participated during World Sickle Cell Day. Yeah. And for those of you who didn't know, June 19th was World Sickle Cell Day. So there were a lot of, you know, um, social media awareness campaigns mm -hmm. and people using different platforms to promote awareness for Sickle Cell celebrate sickle cell patients, sickle cell families, and everything all about sickle cell. Um, I know we at Sickle Cell 101, we had our campaign cast, not campaigns, mm -hmm. and uh, basically we spend most of our time on, on social media, you know, we had it, something going on called Repost for Sickle Cell, which you can still check out yeah. our content and repost the stuff, um, giving facts about sickle cell, basically promoting awareness, so... Um, I want to give a huge shout out to everybody for what's cool so there for doing that. I agree. And just a, a little feedback from that campaign, we actually reached around 10,000 people. So that that's big for one day. And um, I on June 19th, I felt the energy. I felt I re honestly felt that it was our day and I relished in it. I was online, of course, and. You know, going through my, my feed and my timelines, it was all about sickle cell. So thank you guys for participating. Uh, one of my favorite 
uh, vloggers participated. Her name is Natural85. If you girls out there are natural, I'm sure you know her. She reposted some of our posts. We had po uh, support from radio stations, KISS FM, uh, WHUR, hospitals, UAMS. We just had so much support. Also, the shade room of all places. You would say that. Recognize that it was. You know, I, you know, I love my uh, uh, trashy news. Um, but the shade room of all places recognized World Sickle Cell Day, and so I thought that was a huge win for us because I love when we can get in front of the eyes of many. And so it was the day was a success, and I'm really happy with the outcome. So yeah, yeah. Um, the other thing during World Sickle Cell Day uh, that I really liked was um this patient powered registry that SCDAA, which is the Sickle Cell oh, yeah. Disease Association of America, they yes. launched. Mm -hmm. And um, it's pretty cool. Um, you guys can actually go online and check it out. Um, what it does is it's actually like a platform for patients and healthcare providers, researchers, you know, they, to help them get quality healthcare information, you know, to better improve um, clinical care research and health advocacy, advocacy issues. So that's another cool platform that they launched for World Sickle Cell Day. So um, I also want to give them a shout out. Yeah. So today's episode, I... Stephen and I talked about it, and we really wanted to do this one because it's, you know, giving some background and giving some historical context to um, the history of sickle cell. And so what we're going to be talking about today are lesser known facts, uh, but they're equally as important. So I'm just really excited to get to that. You can't use excited, remember? I'm really thrilled to get to that. Gotcha. All right, so for today's education segment, guys, we're going to be talking, just like we said earlier, all about sickle cell history and all the lesser known facts. So all the cool, fun stuff about sickle cell. So the first thing that we're going to look at, and mostly these are just from articles and pretty um, reputable articles. And so the first article that we're going to be looking at, it's actually from the New York Times. And um, this article gives like a great background about sickle cell and... Um, Pretty much where sickle cell came from. And it was written by Carl Zimmer, um, like I said, from the New York Times. And the article is titled, How One Child Sickle Cell Mutation Helped Protect the World from Malaria. And that article, it came out earlier this year. Do you know when? March, March, March of this year, guys. March, okay. Yeah, that was yeah, a good one. Exactly. What did you think about it? I, I liked it when I read it. I came in with... I guess information that I had already learned about sickle cell yep. and it really opened my eyes this article so pretty much is saying that sickle cell started from one person uh, 7300 years ago so um, this was a this was in Africa this was a time when the Sahara was mm -hmm. green and lush and just to give you an idea and over 250 generations later, the sickle cell mutation has been inherited by millions of people. So in my education, sickle cell originated in several different places, majority in Africa and then, you know, within a, a Middle Eastern area. But this article, I thought it was, it was really interesting. Yeah. What do you think about it? Well, for me, you know, 
I'm not even going to lie. I think for me, the coolest part about the article is the research that, um, you know, they did to kind of help solidify the information they have in there. So if you read the article and, and just a quick background, you know, for sickle cell disease, there's still a lot of current ongoing research that, you know, we, we still don't know a lot about sickle cell. But we've kind of always had this idea and concept about sickle cell and its correlation with malaria. So, um, we, you know, scientists are still trying to explain sickle cell mutation and and all of that. But in this article, and I'll tell you guys, this was, article was actually um, put together um, based off of a research um, from the NIH and specifically from the Centers for Research on Genomics and Global Health. And um, this article did so well, it was actually published in the American Journal of Human Genetics. And what they did was they analyzed the genome of nearly 3,000 people. Mm, and mm -hmm. long story short, you know, through this analysis of these um, genomes, they found out that a sickle cell mutation arose, um, like Cass said, 7,300 7, years ago in West Africa. And, um, you know, I think the coolest part about it is, like, them talking about how the Sahara used to be green and, you know, the farmers going through hunting and gathering and, you know, cutting down trees and how. And I, you could it totally makes sense how that could gradually have um, resulted in malaria. And, you know, our body's trying to be smart, mm -hmm. trying to find a way mm -hmm. to um, fight the malaria and then kind of ultimately causing sickle cell trait, uh, people carrying sickle cell trait. And then gradually, um, because two people with sickle cell trait, you know, when they have a kid, they have a child with sickle cell disease. And, you know, you have all these people who moved all over the place. You know, they moved to different parts of Africa. So they carried a gene with them. And malaria was also in all these places. And you have migration and slavery and all of that stuff um, playing a factor in why sickle cell is known all over the world. So overall, I think it was very insightful. It's a lot of great information in there. And, you know, it kind, of, it kind of helps solidify a lot of the stuff that we've kind of always talked about and known. Yeah. So speaking of Africa, some of Africa's royalties lived with sickle cell. Can you guess who? Of course I can. Myself? Who else? Are you, are you royalty? Nah, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Just kidding. Yeah, I know I who you want to talk I about. Uh, I know you want to talk about King Tut. So I yes. know that's who you want to talk about. Yes, yes. So it's always been speculated that King Tut died from, you know, a, a variety of, of, I guess, medical conditions. Um, one being malaria, another being an infection in his leg. Um, but there's a German team that feels that it's more probable that King Tut died from sickle cell disease. Pharaoh died when he was just 19 years old. And it says that the disease occurs in 9 to 22% of the people living within that Egyptian oasis. So oh, interesting. it also states in the article how King Tut's parents, which, you know, it is rumored that his mom was Nefertiti. They lived at a relatively old age. They lived up to about 50 years old, which which is an old age at the time. Yeah. And this means that they could have very well carried sickle cell trait which means they lived to such an age because they were immune to malaria, which obviously killed people back then. So another interesting fact that I found that his parents were most likely siblings. And so if, you know, sickle cell trait and sickle cell disease runs throughout the family. So if his parents were siblings, that means he could have inherited sickle cell disease, yep. you know, from both parents who had sickle cell trait. So that's how that works, and, and that's why there's a higher prevalence within that area of sickle cell disease. 
pretty much what they're saying is, you know, they can use a DNA test to rule or confirm whether he has sickle cell or not. But I think it's kind of um, cool to think about King Tut having sickle cell, you know, something us warriors can relate to. And he's royalty. So it's just, it's fun to think about, you know, royalty having you know, this disease that we live with still. Yeah, that I mean, I think that um, article was pretty insightful. Um, it's pretty cool that these guys are using these, um, you know, technology to kind of help solidify how he probably died. It is, it is. And so sickle cell, you know, as we stated, sickle cell is common throughout Africa, but it's even more prominent on, in West Africa. And um, that brings us to, you want to try... Try I'm going to give word. it a shot. So the next, <laughs> the next article that we're actually going to talk about, um, it kind of highlights sickle cell in West Africa, specifically in Nigeria. So ooh, in ooh. Nigeria, in don't do that, <laughs> don't do that. So in Nigeria, they have um, this concept called um, Obanje in the Igbo Igbo tribe, and then there's another concept called <laughs> Malibolent Obanje. How did I do with those? I'm no expert, but the Nigerian Igbo tribe believe that all humans have an Obanje, which is a, a spirit. And so the malevolent Obanje is someone who is revenge-driven, someone who's chronically ill, engaging in repeated cycles of birth, death, and reincarnation. We learn about Greek mythology in school, but this is, you know, and Greek mythology always um, explains how things work in the world. And so this is the Igbo mythology of how sickle cell is explained. Phrases that they use for children who are malevolent obanjes are children that come and go or children that hmm. are born to die before the age of five due to lack of screening and, and lack of care. Exactly. Um, there's actually an interesting study that talks about um, children who are labeled as malevolent obanjis. And they do a hemoglobin analysis, and it showed that 100 of those kids that were labeled labeled that 70 of them actually had sickle cell disease. Are there any mythologies within your guys' culture that explain sickle cell? Well, oh, yeah, de definitely. Um, you know, I think I've actually mentioned this before. Just even speaking for it, just from coming from Ghana alone, there's, you know, if you go to different tribes and different regions, um, sickle cell is seen differently. Um, for me, I'm, I'm an Ashanti, so from that Khan tribe, um, I know that ex you can give a shout-out all day. Uh, but, yeah, I know that in the Ashanti tribe, so our chi language, they usually refer to sickle cell as ahututu and 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 what that is actually is just say that one more time. This, uh, to, to, uh, okay, cool. So, yeah. So what that actually is is uh, it's the symptoms that comes with sickle cell disease. You know that general overall body pain. That's kind of what that's describing. But um, there's different terms and different perceptions about sickle cell. Mm -hmm. You know, if you go to different, some people will see sickle cell as a curse. You know, I, I think we've talked about that before, and right. people feel like some people feel like um kids with sickle cell get punished. So I think overall, some of these tribes kind of have a similar belief. Mm -hmm. But um, it, it, all, it always comes back to the point of, you know, education and awareness. Mm -hmm. You know, we have a rich culture of history, but um, which is pretty much what we, why we do what we do, providing education and awareness to help um, bridge that gap and get a bit, gain a better understanding of sickle cell disease is always helpful. But um, I will say, though, it's pretty cool to see all these cultures and how sickle cell is being viewed. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. So moving on westward, um, knowing that sickle cell has been around for over 250 generations, yep. this means that sickle cell was even present during the 18th and 19th century, which was um, when the slave trade occurred. And so it's, it's just first of all, uh, coming on to this subject matter, it makes me really sad to think that somebody is being abducted, taken from their home. And on top of it, they're taking on this long boat ride to the West and they're dealing with that and they're dealing with sickle cell. It just breaks my heart. So yeah, um, I, mean, I can only imagine that, you know, whenever we talk about sickle cell, we talk about it's really cold, you know, cold weather and even super hot weather and all the different symptoms that come with sickle cell. I can only imagine how yeah, yeah. Um, these guys Being have to deal wet. with that. Yeah. So th- they think that one of the first clues of sickle cell within this time period mm-hmm. in the U.S. is the fact that many slaves appear to be immune from malaria. If you have sickle cell trait, you have uh, some type of resistance mm-hmm. to malaria. So slave slave owners noticed that some of their slaves didn't didn't get malaria. Other clues that slaves were living with sickle cell disease included, of course, high mortality rates. Many of these slaves died before the age of 20, higher rates of miscarriage, pain during damp weather, which is still really relevant and current today. I know a lot of warriors get pain during the cold weather weather, or during the wet weather, sensitivity to infections and leg ulcers. So the first modern report of sickle cell disease Mm -hmm. um, may have been in 1846, where an autopsy of an executed runaway slave was discussed. And the findings were they they found that there was an absence of of the spleen, which we know now that sickle cell um, spleens either shrivel up like mine or need to be removed due to splenic sequestration. So, yeah. Fancy word. I don't know. It's just a really sad time. I actually went to the African-American Museum in, in D.C., and it was hard to get through those exhibits. And then knowing what I know, that some of those slaves had sickle cell disease is a tough one is a tough exhibit yeah. to get through it you're totally right mm-hmm. but you know i think that it's, it's good um you know sometimes kind of learning about these things uh, it, it kind of helps gives us a true appreciation for you know some of the things that these people went through and and just knowing your history and you know where some of these things might have come from i think it's uh, it's sad but it's actually also fascinating mm-hmm. and interesting to learn about it. yeah yeah so moving on, sickle cell disease and when it was officially discovered in Western medicine, which was in 1910. Mm-hmm. Stephen, you want to run with this one? You know I want to. So sickle cell <laughs> in Western medicine, let's just dive into it. Um, so, you know, we've talked about sickle cell in Africa and where all these things came from. But I think that, so let's put it this way, sickle cell was officially discovered, um, even though we already knew about it, um, kind of you said in 1910. And the way this came about was actually this... Um, dental student, you know, his name was um, yes. Walter Clement Noel. Mm-hmm. So this guy is from Grenada, and he came all the way from Grenada to the U.S. to study uh, dentistry. And he was a sickle cell patient. So when he came, and what happened was he went to the hospital to see this doctor, um, the guy who right now, whenever you read literature on sickle cell, they kind of paint him as the person who helped discover sickle cell. His name was James Herrick. And so when this student, Walter, went to him, you know, complained of his sickle cell symptoms. Um, and I'll tell you guys, um, James Herrick was actually a cardiologist by training. 
So what he did was he actually um, turned over the case over to his intern, you know. Um, maybe the case just wasn't too exciting for him, but um, usually with interns, you know, interns are kind of overachievers and wanting to learn more, and um, I think it was the perfect timing too. So at the hospital, they actually had this new um, machine that was, you know, was kind of helping. It was a machine that they could use to test different blood samples and do other stuff. So oh, this I didn't know intern... That. Yeah, I know. It's pretty cool. Yeah. This intern decided to use this machine, machine to pretty much um, see what was going on with um, Walter because they couldn't really figure out what's going on. And he got sample of his blood. And I didn't mention this intern's name. His name is um, Ernest Irons. So what Ernest Irons did was, you know, like I said, he took his blood sample, uh, run it through this whole um, uh, system. And then he found, you know, uh, this guy's cells looked a little bit of a pear-shaped, um, like a sickle shape. So that's kind of where all these whole things started to come in. And once um, the original doctor who was um, um, Herrick had found out what Irons had seen, you know, he pretty much started writing more about it and he pretty much wrote the first report on sickle cell disease. So, um, you know, I always talk about the importance of research and people enrolling clinical trials. I think it's cool that... Um, through um, this hardworking dental student and his symptoms of sickle cell going to the hospital, we're able to learn more and even know a lot more about sickle cell than we know today. Can we talk about how much of a rock star this guy was? Like he came all the way from Grenada and, you know, I, I believe I read that he, you know, sailed from Grenada to New York. And then I know later on yeah. he, he graduated and went back home and set up practice back at home. So he owned his own business. This is a black man in 1910, 1920s in America. There's a lot of bravery and it's just a lot of, in my eyes, admiration for his work and, and exactly. what he did and his contribution to sickle cell in Western medicine. So he, I know he, he died nine years later. I, I think it was 32. Yeah, he was young when he died. Um, think what I read is he, he uh, took a bath and um, went out and he got quote-unquote chills uh, which you know kind of led to a respiratory infection and and died in his home I just look back about about uh, like all the stuff he had to go through you know the barriers he had to go through so I, I'm long story short I can't even thank this guy enough and I commend him for his bravery so I'd love to take a trip over to Grenada. I know his grave is there and, you know, just to pay my respects to him. And plus, I love traveling. Well, I know you're going to go check out all the cool stuff, too. I know people are going to start people are going to start coming at you and asking about the trip. But um, it's the Caribbeans. And so it's beautiful. It's nice weather. And I think it's worth making the trip out, too. How about you plan the trip and then I'll just. I'll yeah, just no, I. OK. That's fine. So we can't talk about history of sickle cell without talking about the Black Panthers. Guys, when we were talking about this episode and what we wanted to talk about, I mentioned Black Panthers. And Steven is like, ah, why are you guys always talking about this movie? Like, There she goes again. Just... She's going to throw me under the bus. <laughs> I am. I am. Guys, Steven doesn't like the Black Panthers movie, so... That's not... Yeah. Wow. Wow. <laughs> I, I don't... I'm not... The, the movie is... It's, a, it's, it's not... I think... You know what, guys? Um, it's a good movie. Let's just put it that way. I just... I, I, 
I think you're putting words in my mouth. Uh, it's a good movie. It's just, you know, I just had my own personal opinions about some parts of the movie. So um, let's just leave it at well, that. Well, I've heard all over social media that uh, Warrior saying that if there is a cure uh, for sickle cell, it's in Wakanda. So don't hate on the movie because Wakanda has the cure for sickle cell. So anyways... <laughs> <laughs> so we're not talking about the movies we're actually talking about the civil rights group that was active in the 60s and 70s and in, in the u.s and mm -hmm. the black panthers took on the huge responsibility of providing free public health care for the community which included screening for sickle cell um using the sickle dex test and yeah fun fact um that test is a solubility test am I, if i'm correct mm -hmm. um that yeah. test can yield false results so if you got tested by the black panthers for sickle cell you should probably visit your primary care physician and get retested just to confirm your diagnosis for that yeah like so i think there's a lot of you know updated uh, ways of finding and confirming sickle cell just like cast said sometimes you could get a false positive or a false negative using the sickle dex text so just like she said it's good to just verify um using you know new technology which is mostly electrophoresis just to make sure you know if you're positive or negative so they were on the forefront of public education and healthcare, and they they put major pressure on the u.s government accusing them of neglecting the disorder which they did essentially neglected disorder they called it the black genocide mm -hmm. and they forced the government to start funding for research for sickle cell under of all presidents president nixon so you can imagine what type of uphill battle that was but you know they they did mm -hmm. a lot for the sickle yeah. cell community and hats off to them so yeah I think the Black Black Panther, um, that group, they did such a great job, especially, you know, just in healthcare and general, advocating for people and uh, to make sure, you know, um, sickle cell got known and then helping them in terms of research. So um, it's pretty cool that they did that. That's pretty cool. So the history lesson is not complete and to, unless we talk about the history of treatments, which is your special. Of course, story. you can't miss the history of treatment, all about the medicine. I think I'm going to take this one. So. Okay. Um, you know, when you look at sickle cell, just like we talked about earlier, you know, um, coming from Africa and um, a lot of cool history about sickle cell and its origin, uh, mostly, you know, during those times, people were just using different forms of traditional medicine, you know, different concoctions, uh, different try and error methods. And, you know, these people uh, found ways to, to manage their sickle cell disease. But uh, once, once we dive more into current treatments and mm -hmm. how those things came about, I think one of the... Uh, biggest ones is penicillin. Uh, penicillin actually got uh, recognized as uh, the primary preventative um, medicine for people with sickle cell disease. I think Cass mentioned mm -hmm. earlier, remember during the slavery time when um, this, uh, one of the slaves, after he died and they did his autopsy, found he didn't have a spleen or his spleen was shrunk. So with sickle cell disease, um, and for those of you who do not know, the spleen is very pivotal um, with the immune system, you know, help, helping fight infection. So most people with sickle cell mm -hmm. disease, um, mm -hmm. they have something called asplenia or um, their spleen essentially doesn't work or they have such a small spleen. So um, that penicillin whole um, clinical trial research was very huge. And right now, uh, penicillin is actually recommended, especially for kids, to help 
uh, fight different infections. So as far as the history of how that whole penicillin treatment got recognized, there was actually um, a study. It was a multi-center, obviously, randomized double-blinded placebo-controlled trial, uh, the scientific terms coming out. It was actually done here in the U.S. in 1983 up until June 85. And actually what happened was that trial actually got stopped sooner because they started seeing great results in the people who were in the penicillin group versus the placebo group. And the placebo group, I think they were using vitamin C. So um, yeah. they did stop it at about eight months because they saw, like I said, um, great numbers showing the efficacy of using penicillin for that um, uh, infection prevention. And that was huge. And up to now, up to date, penicillin is usually recommended for kids. I, th I want to say usually up to the age of five. Um, I tell you what, one thing that I'm actually interested to find out about, obviously as a pharmacist, is um, uh, you know potential resistance with penicillin being used for so long. So um, I'm actually interested to see what type of research might be done to see if right. we might need to use other you know um, for, uh, different antibiotics to help as far as um, resistance comes to penicillin. But it's a pretty mm -hmm. cool thing that had happened, and it was very major for sickle cell disease and helping sickle cell patients. I also wanted to recognize mm -hmm. the people who um, enrolled in these trials because then the penicillin prophylaxis study, there were three children that lost their life during the study. They were on the placebo. They weren't on the penicillin, but they these children mm -hmm. sacrificed their life so that we know today, growing up, I had to take penicillin to prevent infections. And if those children did participate in the study, we might not be here today with penicillin and uh, I guess benefiting from it. So I just wanted to give yeah. a, a nod to them as well. But, yeah, you're totally right. I think that always comes mm -hmm. back to clinical trials and research. I know there's, you know, there's a lot of negatives when it comes to clinical trials and research, but I think, you know, the people who, who are willing to take on clinical trials and enroll, mm -hmm. I, I always have a huge admiration for them. And I always encourage people to um, enroll in clinical trials when they can, because that's the that's the way we find out about treatments, and that's the way we find an advanced cure. So, like you said, huge shout out to the people who engage the clinical trial for uh, the penicillin, and we can't thank them enough. Um, talking about clinical trials, I want to move on to the next drug, which is actually hydroxyurea. Mm -hmm. So, in sickle cell, hydroxyurea is actually one of the biggest known drugs in sickle cell, and uh, hydroxyurea was actually officially approved for sickle cell disease in 1998 by the FDA. But before that, you know, there was clinical trials that was run about in 1995. And that drug is actually, it's a cancer drug. So um, what happened was, you know, it was being used for cancer. And what they had noticed was for people who had cancer taking the drug, they started noticing high levels of hemoglobin F. And what is the importance of hemoglobin F for those who don't know? Quick background. So usually, um, you know, when all of us, all of us, when we're born, we, all humans, we typically still have our hemoglobin F. Hemoglobin F actually helps carry oxygen too, which is a big deficit when we look at sickle cell disease. But as you get older, not even older, like after a couple of months, that hemoglobin F starts to die down and then it switches to your regular hemoglobin, whether A or S. So once they noticed that um, hydroxyurea was helping increase levels of hemoglobin F, they did see that how that could be potentially beneficial in sickle cell disease. And so um, through that, it was kind of through cancer, or through uh, these people taking this cancer drug, they're able to extrapolate pretty much that data and and run a clinical trial using this drug in sickle cell disease. And through that, once again, clinical trials again, 
we're able to get that drug approved and and i know you know hydroxy as some people say it doesn't work for them some say it does work for them but it's actually mm -hmm. not up until last year it was actually the only known fda approved drug for sickle cell disease so that tells you how much of a long way that we've come and still how much of a long way we still have to go in terms of finding treatment and cures yeah so it's not a one size fits all sort of drug it's something um, i've had my own experience which i could probably talk about in another episode but it, it, it is monumental to say the least in our whole history for for sickle cell yeah the last thing i wanted to talk about is um bone marrow transplant i know i know that the first reported cure for sickle cell disease was done using bone marrow transplant that was done in 1984 um it's a very complex procedure and not not everybody is able to enroll in that but i just thought it was a cool fun fact to to talk about it was this eight-year-old girl who had leukemia and also benefited from um, her sickle cell through that bone marrow transplant just just a cool fun fact to, to point out i think that's all we got huh? thank you steven for bringing us up to date The Warrior segment today is celebrating people throughout our history living with sickle cell disease. We will be talking about something we like to call sickle cell greats. And these are sickle cell leaders that empower us as a community and empower us as warriors. And so yeah. um, last February, Sickle Cell 101 did a, a campaign called Sickle Cell Greats, and it highlighted people that lived with sickle cell that were historical figures. And as you know, I mentioned King Tut as one of them earlier on, and we'll talk a little bit more about him. Also in the campaign were Miles Davis, Paul Williams from The Temptations, T-Boz, Prodigy. And we look up to these people and we like to honor them and show how much they empower us to keep moving forward. Starting with King Tut, when we put out that post for King Tut, we received an amazing response saying a lot of people didn't know he could have possibly lived with sickle cell. And there was a few comments that kind of stuck out that I, I wanted to read. And the first one is, this disease affects history which I wanted to bring light to that because it really did affect history. Because if we think about this, right, King Tut lived with sickle cell disease and he died at the age of 19. So he might have lived longer if he didn't have sickle cell disease. But also another thing was I was reading up on King Tut and they stated that his mother was the younger lady, which was this, uh, this uh, corpse that they found. Um, that they had identified as his mother, which is rumored to be Nefertiti. So just think about that. If King Tut had sickle cell disease, that means Nefertiti had... Sickle cell trait. Exactly. So that is more than one public figure in ancient African history that was affected by sickle cell disease. We look towards Africa for historical context and what often comes up these Egyptian leaders and two of them were affected by sickle cell. So sickle cell definitely did affect history. Another comment was we have royalty in our blood and I that one just resonated with me because DNA. yes we are we are royal. We're all royal, aren't we? Exactly. Well, so, I, I can't I can't say it for myself, but 
Unless I you mean, put me in the family. So. Well, you have sickle cell traits, so you are definitely royal, just like Nefertiti was. I appreciate and so, that. Yeah, yeah. And so it we have royalty in our blood, and I just want warriors to remember that and keep that with them. We are more than what we think we are. Exactly. So um, it just, and it also makes me wonder, you know, sickle cell back then, how was it treated? Like, how would they have possibly treated this intense pain? I think I read that Egypt, they used opioids. Uh, they used poppy seed to treat pain with labor. Yeah, there's a lot of history with opioids and um, Egypt correlation. In Egypt, yeah. right? Yeah. yeah, so I wonder if, if that's something King Tut used to, to treat his pain. I just wonder what it was like living back then without the, the advancements that we have today. Mm-hmm. Uh, living with sickle cell disease. Yeah, that's a pretty. It's a pretty great background. Like you just, you just gave us. I mean, um, you know, obviously these guys are all royalty, but it's pretty cool that there's that correlation with sickle cell and and them being able to do what they were able to do. So it's a great accomplishment. And like you said, all these people empower everybody, um, not just even the sickle cell community. And and I have a true appreciation for that. Yeah, so, and moving on to Miles Davis. Do you know who Miles Davis was? I know, something to do with music. I learned about Miles Davis through my dad. He is a huge fan. Miles Davis is a famous trumpeteer. He pretty much is a trailblazer in jazz. He's just this iconic figure. He lived up until 65 with sickle cell disease there's also paul williams who was 34 when he died and paul williams for those of you don't know was in the group the temptations which i personally loved the temptations i know pretty much all their songs they had this thing in common in which they had substance abuse problems sickle cell as you said has been under researched and I guess that means also that in the past, they didn't have methods for for treating pain. So although not advised today, these substances were used to treat and to essentially numb pain. Sickle cell disease, yeah. That's an interesting um, draw from that story, actually. Yeah, what do you think about that? Substance abuse um, and sickle cell disease. Well, I think that, um, and I'm sure you already know, I think usually when we talk about musicians, you know, Mostly there's stories about different forms of addiction or different forms of, um, um, you know, medicine stories that has to do with uh, a lot of these musicians. And, and just to think that both of them had sickle cell disease and, you know, being on the road, having to travel, different weather conditions and um, stress, anxiety, all of these things I'm telling you can all exacerbate um, sickle cell symptoms. I can only imagine, you know, how they've managed their sickle cell. And and when you talk about Miles Davis, you said he didn't find out he had sickle cell until he was 30. So it's, it's a cool concept to think, but me reflecting on how they probably managed their pain, it's, um, it's fascinating to me. I don't, I don't even know how they managed it. So like you said, you know, these guys were labeled and they had substance, uh, substance abuse problems, but I don't want to legitimize um, them having substance abuse problems. But I think it's um it's something that um it's worth even celebrating them and even having appreciation for what they were able to accomplish dealing with sickle cell disease and, and managing that outside of what they were doing as well. Yeah. And so um also worth mentioning is T Boz, which you know, she uses her platform to, to yeah. advocate for sickle cell. And she, of course she's another musician. I think besides King Tut, 
everybody is mm-hmm. a musician. So I wonder, is there a correlation between sickle cell and, and music? Well, I tell you what, Cass. Mm-hmm. I, I think you might have seen this, but recently there was an article that came out that that was looking at music therapy as a form of pain management. So, yeah. And, yeah. and I think for me, I don't know about you, but it makes sense to me because I've, I've heard people talk about, you know, music sometimes is even used to manage depression and anxiety and even pain. So and even including Prodigy as well, which I'm sure you all know about Prodigy. He died recently, unfortunately, yeah. but um, he was a big advocate for his sickle cell disease and you know, yeah. all Prodigy, T-Balls, Miles Davis, Paul Williams, and even many others um, all had something in common, and that was music. So I could see that. I could honestly see that. And, you know, because all of them, we all know, they had to do with pain one way or the other. And, and, and they probably use that music as a coping mechanism as well, which is another cool, fun fact to know and yeah. think about. Yeah. And yeah. aside all of, you know, we talk about all these celebrities, um, King Todd and all, you know, how much these guys have impacted history and all these different musicians and, and Walter Clement Noel. But I also want to uh, take the time and also celebrate all the other sickle cell greats, like we like to call them. And when I, the people I'm referring to now, it's like, you know, I want to honor all sickle cell warriors, uh, people carrying sickle cell trait and my sister, all different doctors, um, lawyers, parents, brothers, and, um, I hate to say this, Cass, you as well. Let's just leave Aww, it at that. They can hear you, Stephen. <laughs> they can hear um, you. <laughs> I know. Let's just, let's just chip it in quickly because I, I really don't like to, um, you know, it, it's hard for me. But I, I all jokes aside, though, I, I think I have a true appreciation for you and all the people um, battling sickle cell every day and being able to do all the stuff you do, you know, you as a parent and uh, working and doing all this cool advocacy stuff and fighting for sickle cell community. And, you know, I know sickle cell patients who are lawyers, who are doctors, who are parents, who are drivers, who are moms and are doing incredible things out there. So, you know, I think a lot of people usually think about sickle cell and think these are just some frail, weak people who can't do anything. But it's a good reminder that sickle cell patients or sickle cell warriors and sickle cell trait warriors are capable of doing anything. I just want to celebrate all of you you and all sickle cell warriors and i think that's what makes this episode so important you know we're learning about this history and these people Mm -hmm. who are affecting history and with history we need to see where we've been so we know where we're going and to conclude everything Stephen is saying i think he's saying we are all sickle cell greats and exactly um we just go out and do our thing keep battling every day and make it a great day and make it a great yeah. life so yeah, know your history and keep doing what you're doing yeah yeah. Wrapping up this segment, I Wrapping encourage... Wrapping up already. Already. Time flies. Wow. But I encourage all of you guys to tell your stories and to to comment on them. Leave feedback. What are your opinions? What are your experiences? Use your voices. You never know who you could be benefiting. You never know who you could help. So if you would like to join the conversation, definitely send in anything you can send it in anonymously but send in what you think um to podcast at sc101.org yep and that is podcast at sc101.org and and i look forward to getting or seeing you guys's um ideas and comments and content and you never know yours might be the next one we'll be sharing in our warrior segment 
So, this is the part Steven usually talks about, but... Yeah, why are you taking my cool Well, how would you take it? it? Well, guys, all we're trying to say is, you know, obviously everything that we're sharing in here is, is purposely for the education and to help keep that conversation going. Um, just like Cass always says, you know, even one treatment for her doesn't even work for her sister, and everybody's is different. Uh, my concept is, I always say, individualized medicine, so... Uh, make sure you talk to your own doctors and your own medical advisors to make sure that everything that we're saying fits perfectly for you. For you, exactly. And as always, you can find our educational content on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Tumblr, for those of you who are still on Tumblr, <laughs> at Sickle Cell 101. Make sure you follow us. Yeah, go comment, follow us. share, show us some love. Mm-hmm. And share your comments and... and- and feedback. And for those of you who didn't check out our um, World Sickle Cell Day campaign, like Cass said, just check our social media pages and you can still repost our stuff. It has great content in there. Yeah. And also, like I said, we are on Spotify now. So Go Android. if you are a Spotify listener, please follow us, subscribe to our channel so that you always get notifications whenever we put out a, an yeah, episode. Yeah, and give, give, give us our ratings on apple and and spotify and give us your comments on there as well we know you guys are going to give us great remarks and and we're excited to to talk to you guys again for our next episode all right thanks once again for listening and we will catch you next time bye bye